Episode 144, it is the five things to tell job applicants in the first interview. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, alongside Jason Jennings. Jason, great to see you again. Uh, Dale, it's always uh, it's always great to be with you. I, I, I can't begin to tell you uh, what joy I get out of doing these podcasts with you, um, but also uh, all of a sudden, uh, there's uh, there's a guy that I've known in the gym for a long time. His name is Steve, and uh, he used to be a neighbor of ours. And he's got a beautiful wife from Russia and a beautiful little girl. And I mean, we 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 chit chat in the gym. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he said, "I love this past week's podcast." And I said, "Do you listen?" He said, "I listen." to them all. And I get this on airplanes. I, I get this in hotels. And uh, it's just neat that we're out there doing some good work for people. And it just rejuvenates me uh, all the time. So happy, the, to be, happy to be with you too. Absolutely. And I, it's, I love those conversations when somebody stops me out of the blue and says, loved what I learned from this episode. So lots yep. of fun. But I will tell folks that The Game Changer with Jason Jennings, is he's a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today bestselling author of eight books on leadership, growth, speed, innovation, and reinvention. An important topic. And uh, today, we're talking about these, this idea of the conversation we have with a job applicant early on. Uh, as you're trying to figure out as an organization if this person is the right fit. And it's also a time for the person who's being interviewed to determine if the company is a good fit. And uh, take us to the opening story of what got you thinking about these very important first conversations between an applicant and the company considering hiring. Can I begin by throwing you a curveball? Absolutely. <laughs> Not that I'll catch it, but so bye. So anyway, <clears throat> this past weekend, I took off. And um, I was off Saturday and Sunday, which is a rare occurrence for me. And several months ago, we designed a fountain, uh, or I designed a fountain for the courtyard. It's a, it's a tall, tall fountain, very simple lines. And the water falls into, uh, into this big catch basin at the bottom. It's stained dark brown, simple, elegant lines. And I realized that I, I needed something behind this fountain. And I thought, I need a trellis. And so I sketched out the trellis. That I, I didn't want one of these trellises. I wanted horizontal and vertical trellis. And so I went on Craigslist. And uh, I posted an ad. And I said, I'm pretty good at what I do, but I need some help. And I need somebody with a couple of tools that I don't have. And uh, uh, I'm willing to pay, like, I, th I think I said $30 an hour. And uh, because that's what laborers, people should make. And so I had, like, 40 responses in, like, 30 minutes. I, I hired this uh, Lat Latino guy who was born here. Um, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And so I had this incredible day uh, building this incredible trellis, which we had to build in the driveway then and paint, 
and then take apart and then reassemble behind the fountain because we couldn't move the 3,000-pound fountain once it was in place. And it was. And he's 22 years of age. He's been doing finished carpentry for five years. Uh, it told me that he uh, hated high school, uh, did not get good grades in high school, and yet he's doing math on his iPhone like I've never seen anybody do math. I mean, because that's what finished carpentry is all about. And I'm just, I'm, I'm loving this guy. I'm watching this guy's work. I'm just, just an artist. I said, you are not a carpenter. You are an artist. And he said, no, I'm not an artist. I am a laborer and proud to be a laborer. And so the reason I mention that is because at the at, at the beginning of the podcast, when you're mentioning New York Times, Wall Street Journal, best-selling author, and da-da-da-da-da, I know we need that to set credentials and credibility. But you know what I've always thought of myself is as a laborer. I mean, I'm just a journeyman out trying to perfect my craft and get better at my craft. And I see myself a lot like the laborer I had the privilege of watching and working with this weekend. So that being said. The work some, is honorable and uh, those – it is awesome to honor every position like that, uh, uh, doing the hard work day in and day out. Man, so, it's – it's just amazing. So uh, several weeks ago, you and I were doing a podcast, and I talked about a series of telephone calls I had had in preparation for a speech. And I, 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 I reported on one of the telephone calls, and, and, and we talked about it briefly in the, in the larger context of, of the subject matter we were covering. The problem is I have not stopped obsessing about this phone call for several weeks, and I think we've landed on something potentially huge, potentially huge. So and let me set so, this. So folks know, I mean, it was a phone call with a CEO of a company where you were going in to do some work, correct? Yeah, and, and not a small company. It's a company with 70, 80 locations, presumably a couple hundred million dollars in annual sales. And he was going to be an attendee at a, at a conference I was speaking at. Okay. And so was, and people probably, if they're listening for the first time, don't know that I do a series of about 12 different interviews in preparation for, for every speech that I do. And one of the questions I always ask uh, after I find out about the business and find out about the person is what's keeping you awake at night these days about the business? What are the challenges? But, but let me preface that with this, uh, a, a number. The most recent Gallup poll of the American workplace shows that about two-thirds of American workers are not engaged or actively disengaged from their jobs. That's a number, that Dale, that's remained fairly constant for the past six or seven years. I think it's a horrible number, and I, I think it's it says horrible things about business. I mean, why why can't you properly engage people? I mean, if two thirds of your workforce are not engaged or actively disengaged, I mean, that's leaving a few people to carry all the weight, and 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 you're losing the potential incredible resource from the two thirds of all people who are not engaged. So I get to that point in the conversation with the guy, and I said, "So what's keeping you awake at night these days?" And he said, uh, well, engaging people and keeping people. And I hear this all the time I'm in virtually almost every conversation I have. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he said, well, let me tell you something about the jobs in my company. He said, after three or four years here, you can make a really good living. You can make $90,000, $120,000 a year. 
He said, but the first few years until you figure out where the bodies are buried and figure out where the parts are and figure out the lay of the land, I mean, he said, it's kind of slim pickings. I mean, you're not going to make ninety, $100,000 a year. He said, so I hire all of these people. And he said, then they start. And when they figure out it's going to take them a while, I mean, to become successful, they leave. So I said to him, I said, and I'm not making this up. You, you couldn't make up stuff like this. I said, do you tell them on the front side, not only about the payoff, but you tell them how tough it's going to be for the first two or three years? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, because then they wouldn't take the job. Now, what you have to understand is I, I'm, I'm hesitating to judge the conversation because you can imagine what I want to say. Talk about a ridiculous, self-fulfilling prophecy. Don't tell them how tough the job is on the front side so they'll agree to take the job. They come, they discover how hard the job is, and they leave, and then you've got to go through the same experience over and over and over again. It borders on insanity. I mean, which is doing the same thing over and over and over again while expecting or hoping for a different result. And so I've been thinking about this a lot. And um, and I and so calling on the research for my books, I think that there are five things that have to happen in the first interview. And I don't believe they happen in most companies. And I think that's why two-thirds of all people are not engaged in their job or actively not or actively not engaged in their job and while people leave. You'll remember that in that same podcast we did, another CEO of a company valued at $22 billion told me that at one point in time, the turnaround for his company was they had to address the huge turnover they were having. They began doing exit interviews, and half of all people said because they weren't doing the job they thought they were going to be doing. Well, guess what? Somebody was lying to somebody, I mean, on the entrance interviews. What were they doing? They were probably guilty of what most people do, selling somebody and taking a job. So I'm thinking there are five things that have to happen. Shut your trap. Don't sell the job and do these five things. Number one. You have to honestly tell the people what the job is all about and what it entails. And there could be no gloss, there could be no fibbing, and there could be no enthusiastic selling of the job. <clears throat> it's just, here's what the job is and here's what it entails. Number two, you got to be honest about the compensation, what the compensation is at the beginning, where it could lead, and what a possible timetable for advancement is. And again, don't lie. Don't misrepresent. I mean, if you do this well for six months, this is what could happen. And if you do that well for a, a year, this is what could happen. And if you do that well for a year, this is what has traditionally happened to people in the past. Number three, you have to tell them the story of the company. The story of the company. Because if they don't get excited about the story of the company, I mean, why sell them on taking a job? Number four, uh, same words you've heard me use many four. You've got to tell them what your purpose is. I mean, here's who we are. Here's who we're trying to be. Here's what we're dreaming of, of being. No, we're not a power distribution company. We power people's lives. 
No. I mean, we're not a furniture store. No. We improve the lives of the many. I mean, you've got to tell them what your purpose is. And then number five, you've got to explain what your guiding principles are by which you make every decision in the organization. And only after you've done those five things, and if they're at the edge of their seat and they want to proceed, then the job interview can begin with the words, tell me about you. But anybody who starts a job interview by sitting down, introducing themselves and saying, now tell me about your experience. I mean, now da 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 without covering off those five important things, I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure. It's insanity doing the same thing over and over again while expecting a different result. And it's not going to happen. I believe, as simple as that sounds, that if in their hiring people would do those five things, you would eventually see engagement scores just dramatically increase. You would see retention scores dramatically increase. I mean, why, why, why do we sit there and sell people on taking a job and lie to them about what it's going to be, misrepresenting what it's going to be, misrepresenting what the possibilities for the future are, and then acting like we're shocked and surprised. I mean, when three or four months into the job, they leave. Duh. When you, I'm thinking to your original story about the artisan craftsman who came to your house and, and built the trellis behind the waterfall. Yes. Uh, well, I know, built it too. I and built you it built too. it too. Yeah, true. Yes, yes. But you know, I'm thinking about uh, people who have companies that are you know, contractors and and bricklayers, and they're looking to hire employees. Right. I'm talking to those folks right now, and and across parts of the country, there are housing booms taking place. I mean, there's yes. construction yes. everywhere, and they're having a tough time finding employees. And I and sometimes they feel a necessity to go out there and sell the job when in fact right. they ought to really from what I hear you say start uh, by trying to talk people out of taking the job well and just being honest i mean yeah. here's what the job is here's what it entails here's what it pays here's what we're about i mean here's where this could lead for you i mean it's just all the warts i mean it's it, it's all there for anybody to experience i mean i i think that an applicant would si- would find that to be such a breath of fresh air that they'd say, geez, I just, I want to be with these people. I mean, now I'm going to fight for this because this sounds like a, a fun, transparent, I mean, wonderful place to be. It's so simple. So how do we fall in the bad, bad habit of, of hiring people as a body and watching them leave three or four or five or six months disappointed. And then we'd like to point our fingers and we say, it's the millennials. I mean, they're lazy. They're not like I was. Or we always, and I'm always reminded, I, I can't do it on camera, I guess. But I'm, I'm reminded that every time you point your finger at someone, I mean, three of them are pointing right back at you. I mean, you're responsible, not the person who's leaving. Sorry if I sound like a Dutch uncle, but that's the way it is. Absolutely. You know, I've been studying culture a lot, and I came across a company who basically did exactly what you're talking about um, and also put it into a document so yep. that it was available and made it readily available. And if, yep. you're, if you are applying for a job, it's expected that you will have read that document and come into the interview knowing knowing. And they say, we built the document to really weed through those people who will not be engaged at some point. 
but yep. who really believe in our purpose and our guiding principles and want to be a part of this company's story. So final thought. I got an email from somebody this week who watched the uh, last uh, podcast, and he said, uh, love the content. Don't slouch. You're setting a bad example. Watch your posture, Mr. Jennings. So no, he's saying it about me, not you. So I've, been, I've really been trying to work on the old posture thing today. It makes us all sit up a little straighter. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, it does. Good deal. All right. Well, thank you for that. I'm going to remind folks, uh, you've got a new website, and I think it's worth taking a look at. What, uh, what is you know what your, I like the most? You know, I was you know what I like the most? What's your favorite oh, thing about the new website? You know what I like the most about it? You know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's one thing to say that my books have been in 34 languages. But that's a throwaway line. I mean, uh, Jason Jennings' books have been in 34 languages. Well, so what? It's another thing to scroll down the website and see this one shot of the 34 different book covers in 34 different languages. And, you know, what I think about it, am I proud? Sure, I'm proud. I'm a human being. But I, what I also think about is, is how many people... Uh, lives have been positively impacted by the research and the love and the work that goes uh, into those books. So uh, I, I think the web designers did just a most excellent job on, uh, on, on the new website. And I'm so happy. I'm, I'm so lucky to be surrounded by um, really good people like you, Dale. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh, the website, jason-jennings.com. While you're there, I'm going to remind you to do one favor for us, and that would be to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can actually watch these videos. It is jason-jennings.com slash YouTube to find it. Also, Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today calls one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. You can find out how to arrange to have Jason keynote your next event or a leadership conference right there at that brand new website. You can see his fees and availability. It's jason-jennings.com. Click the contact button, follow the instructions. Jason and his team would love to talk to you about making your next event truly memorable and game-changing for everybody in attendance. And with that, thank you, Jason. Great conversation once again. See you next time. Absolutely. Have yourself a wonderful week. This is the Game Changers with Jason Jennings, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to the Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason.com. Dash Jennings.com.